1: The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Well, that may be Gene Steinberg, but here's the normal voice that introduces the Paracast. This is Bob Zanotti speaking from my home in the Emmental Cheese Country in Switzerland, and very proud and happy to be together with my old, old friend Gene. And thank you for having me on, Gene. With an emphasis on the old. Ah, uh, you're only as old as you feel. I'm going to be 71 in December. I'm not going to embarrass you by asking your age, but I think you're my junior to a certain extent. But I, I don't know. People say, saying, oh, you're getting on. How are you supposed to feel? I don't know. How are you are supposed to feel at 71? I feel like a kid. You know, I'm a ham radio operator, and I hear people on the air all the time. And I, I, I get these guys, you, you you, listen to voices because it's it's, it's an oral, A-U-R, uh, medium ham radio. I've been a radio ham for years, many, many, 50 years, too many. You get to hear people and you get these people talking to you like this. And, well, I got troubles with my knees and, you know, I got, I got, I got, uh, Jumping pellagra, and I, and I got all kinds of stuff. I don't, I don't know. I'm really getting on, and I got headaches and migraines. And I say, well, how old are you? Well, uh, I'm getting up there. I'm 52. <laughs> and I hear guys who are 90 years old on ham radio, and they sound like kids. It really is all in your head.
2: You know you raised the right point there. I think if I bother to think how old I am, and I'm not going to mention it, because there's possibly a photograph in my closet that's aging right now. That's the trick.
1: Just don't, just put it out of your consciousness, that's all.
2: Well, people have been saying I'm unconscious for years. But, Bob, I wanted to talk to you about that. This is going to be, by the way, a common open mic episode where we go into a lot of subjects. And we're also joined by Gogs
1: Mackay. Remember Coffee Clutch, where this all started, where you and I met each other for the first time, Jim Mosley and... uh, and, and those people back in the New York area, that's what we did. We had no script. We just sat down at a table and said, let's go. And then, of course, this was done
2: in a college radio station. And it was kind of like a, I remember a long table, right? And each one of us had a microphone. Well, sometimes
1: we had to share.
2: Then there were big fights and fisticuffs and black belts and things. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, it was very, very uh, freewheeling radio, I think they would call it. They have a fancy term for it. There's a euphemism for it. Uh, back in our day, we would call it freewheeling. Now they call it eclectic. You know, It's an eclectic radio station. Never figured out quite what that was. But uh, we used to get together on a Friday night. And I remember the time. We're talking about WFMU. I don't dare tell you what those call letters stood for. <laughs> We'd be off the air in no time. Or you get a citation from the FCC. But we uh, don't want that. No. Listen, I'm an old pro. I'm not going to do that to you, Gene. We're too good friends for that. But it was the radio station of Uppsala College in East Orange, New Jersey. Now, I don't know how they contrived to do this. It must be an art which has long gone, a college which managed to go bankrupt. Don't ask me anymore, I don't know. The radio station was the radio station of Uppsala College, and uh, it still exists, and it's, it's quite a big uh, station in the New York area. And, um, you know, for those who are not from the New York area, you mentioned college radio. This was not a 10-watt station. This was a 1,500-watt FM station. And in fact, at one time, Gene, I don't know if I ever told you this, but my show Coffee Clutch... And you were a regular guest on there, along with Jim and Jack Robinson and Augie Roberts and uh, Dominic Lucchesi and people like that. It made it. I I actually made it once, well, a couple of times, to the New York Times radio and TV listing, WFMU Coffee Clutch. You know, that was a great honor. I don't know who did that. I didn't pay anybody. But those were great days of broadcasting. Well, the thing
2: to bear in mind also when we talk about that— is the range of the station. I was living in Brooklyn, New York. It was a difficult climb to get to Brooklyn, but I did all sorts of tweaks on a home-built FM radio. And I did something with the antenna because we weren't allowed to have a roof antenna. I was living just in an apartment with my parents. But I was able to do something, some sort of electronic trickery, and I got pretty good signal.
1: Well, actually, um, you know, I I can get technical here as a radio ham. We started off um, at the beginning at WFMU with 10 watts. That doesn't sound like much. But in a densely populated area like the New York metropolitan area, with a decent antenna, we we had quite a coverage area. And then we went up, I I forget what year it was, I think it was 1962 or 63, we uh, raised the power to 1,500 watts. And that was the same kind of power as the big New York City radio station. So we were doing very well. And I have to tell you, I don't know if you want to do it now, but I can tell you later an anecdote about the power increase. Now, I don't have to even ask you. It's pro forma. Uh, You remember Jack Robinson and his uh, lovely wife, Mary Robinson, who was clairvoyant And we did a show once that you may remember. You weren't on that one. It was uh, just the the two of them and me at their apartment in Jersey City, New Jersey, just across from the Hudson River. And um, we were still at 10 watts at WFMU. We had uh, applied for a long time for the power increase to 1,500 watts. And it was blocked by... I think WNYE, you might, you, you're a New Yorker, uh, Gene. That was the uh, radio station, the FM station of the New York Board of Education. And they were the next channel up from us. And they objected. They were afraid there would be interference. So to, to cut a long story short, which is maybe not a good idea on a, uh, a long talk show, and it's extremely t- difficult for me at the best of times, but I'll try, we did a show about the Ouija board. And... Um, Mary Robinson was an adept at the Ouija board, the Ouija board. How many people realize that Ouija stand, are the French and German words for yes? We yes, French, ja, German, yes, Ouija board. In any case, um, we frivolously brought out the board, and she had had quite a record with the board. And I asked her the question, when is WFMU going to get... The power increase that we've been waiting for for years, our lawyers told us, it was really a difficult fight, and they didn't hold out much hope that we would get it. And then she came out. This was, I think, November, just before I something, uh, October, November. And then um, she said, and she went around, and the planchette started swooshing around, and she called out the numbers and everything else, and she says, no, January. And Jack said, can you be more precise and she said, I get 15, 20, something like that. And I said, well, if that comes to pass, you really performed a great demonstration. All of it, we got a call at the radio station from our lawyer, uh, several weeks later saying the FCC had surprisingly approved our power increase. And the first coffee clutch program with full power of 1500 watts was, I believe, January the 21st. So what can I say?
2: Well, I recall now hearing your station when it only had 10 watts in Brooklyn when I had to do all that stuff. So that was pretty astounding. What is astounding also is that we have a second radio show called After the Paracast, And I have no idea what's going to be on this week because a lot of things are happening. A lot of things are going on. But if you want to know more how to listen to that show and get the commercial-free version of this show, all you have to do is subscribe to the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com. That's plus.theparacast.com. We recently lowered the price. You know, like Mad Magazine used to say, our price cheap, $4.99 a month. Okay? Gotta have the 99. That's We can talk about that, maybe the psychological impact of 99 cents. But that's not the time. We're doing kind of a... Open mic discussion here with Gog's Mackay and Bob Zanotti and Gene Steinberg. And you're in the podcast. The award-winning graphic converter, the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top flight image editing app with tons of features, and most important, it's easy to use. Get 20% off from lemkesoft.de slash gene. That's L E M K E SOFT.de slash gene. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on this special deal at Namecheap.com,
3: Namecheap.com. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the mineral doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Are you retired or facing retirement and you're afraid your income is going to be less than you'd like? I'm Pharmacist Keith, Dr. Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, and I want to show you a low-cost way to create your own business, working around your current schedule, creating extra income that will last for years to come, by joining Dr. Wallach's crusades, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com. Radio.recordedvideo.com. Or call 866-257-3105 for a recorded message.
4: This is a
0: life-changing message for anyone with sleep apnea who is on the go and tired of dragging around a big, bulky home CPAP device. Now there's finally a portable device that's as small as a soda can and weighs less than a pound. You can even add a battery that's as tiny as a deck of cards. It's the Transcend Mini CPAP. And if you're one of the first 100 callers, you can try Transcend risk-free for 10 days. So call now. 1-800-441-9833. Transcend is the world's first portable mini CPAP device. It gives you the freedom to sleep in total comfort anywhere you are. Our smallest and most advanced portable design ever, Transcend is so small and so light, you can fit it in your briefcase or purse to use anywhere you go. It's FAA compliant, too, so you can even sleep comfortably while flying. To guarantee your 10-day in-home trial, you must be one of the first 100 callers to call MiniCPAP.com now. 1-800-441-9833. Again, that's one
1: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
2: Now, just to point out, folks, Chris O'Brien is around in Thailand. And the time zone difference is pretty wacky. So it'd be really early in the morning when we're doing this at 1 p.m. Right now, 1.17 p.m. Arizona time on a Thursday. There would probably be 3 a.m. Okay. And I'm hearing crickets, which is usually the response that I get to my jokes.
1: I can hear them all, all, even over here in Switzerland. You've got very loud crickets there, Gene. Right. Very noisy. I can hear your dog sometimes, too. Not today, but in other broadcasts.
2: Oh, yeah. Sometimes he gets wacky. We used to live at a place where the neighbors had five dogs or six dogs. I lost track. They kept moving them in and out. They'd give them over to a friend to adopt them, and they'd have a couple more. And they didn't understand what birth control meant for dogs, which, of course, is to give them an operation so they can't procreate. Something gets them going, and suddenly you have Five dogs, barking. And what happens to our dog, Teddy Bear? He wants to join the chorus. So that's where it goes. And suddenly it gets to be really, really annoying. We live somewhere now where there are dogs, but not next door.
6: I think I've heard Teddy Bear a few times when the the mailman's come to the door.
2: There you go. In any case, before we go on with this, Bob, I wanted to just bring up something I mentioned last week and it was a comment after we had Gary Lockman as a guest and Gary Lockman who was known as a rock and roller as Gary Valentine was one of the founding members of Blondie before they became famous okay kind of like the Pete Best of the Beatles or something like that where he left the band before they became famous and doesn't seem to regret it because he's gotten into something far more intellectual I guess and Bob indicated to me that he went to school with Debbie Harry and he gave me a few comments I read one of them and I guess it was sort of out of context and I guess the best thing to do Bob is for you to maybe give us a quick summary of what you remember of her
1: Well that's a long time ago I uh, we're talking the the 60s she was I I was born in Patterson New Jersey and grew up in Hawthorne New Jersey right next door and um Debbie Harry, of course, for any any of those who know her or followed her, she is a cult figure, of course, know uh, very well that she went uh, that she grew up also in Hawthorne, New Jersey. We were contemporaries. Although she was in the Hawthorne High School class of sixty three, and I was in the class of sixty four, I mean, I had no real personal contact with her. But, you know, we saw each other. We would go, you know, as they called it uh, back though, in those days, you know, we had traveling classes. You went from one class to the other. You went down the corridor. You saw each other. Uh, there were uh, midday dances. And uh, you went to the, after the cafeteria. There was dancing and she was there and this sort of thing. When I saw her later pictures, um, it was striking because she has changed so little I think the one thing which strikes anybody, certainly somebody who knew her as a teenager, as I did, um, was that her face, her visage has hardly changed. She always had an outstanding face and that has uh, remained all through the years. She was always what I would call... She gave the impression she was precocious. Now, I mean, we we can give different spins to the word precocious. She wasn't. She was a good student, um, as I remember. People saying she was smart. She was. She was smart. She was very sophisticated. And again, we're talking the '60s here, but she was always aloof. You would see her in a class or in a group. I think she belonged. To a sorority. I don't know if sororities exist anymore, but they were very big back in the in the 60s in the, in, at least in New Jersey in the New York area and uh, she belonged to a, a girl sorority and um, uh, I, I don't remember her having a lot of friends. She was very aloof as I would say and rather distant if we can use that expression. Um, there was an aura, there was an air about her that she was beyond this. Uh, You could speculate, and I'm trying, I see her. I see her in the hall of Hawthorne High School right now as I'm reminiscing. And I see the face today, and it's so similar. She had a radiation, she had an aura about her. You knew that there was something special about this girl, And we called them girls at the time, if that's not politically correct. And I really don't care because I don't believe in political correctness. I think political correctness is a muzzle to keep us from saying what we really think. And that's against the American First Amendment. Anyway, (laughs) Uh, in any case, um, she was very special. Somehow, in hindsight, you could imagine that she was destined for something special.
6: Yeah, do you think she knew that herself, or she considered herself that? She knew she was going places in the world. Do you, do you think uh, that's she right. knew that?
1: A very good question, Gogs, and I would, uh, I would confirm that. I, I think that's a, a very eloquent way of putting it. She knew it. She had this aura, which is, you know, also an esoteric term or a metaphysical term. I, I I can't read auras, but she had this, that was her persona. She was destined for other things. She was not part of the mainstream of school. I don't remember her having many friends. And I do remember one thing that a lot of guys, a lot of boys remember very well and others, uh, probably a, l- a lot of other people, <laughs> who uh, gave her looked at her sort of cross-eyed. Um, during the summers, um, we all went. That uh, was traditional. We went to the Hawthorne Memorial Swimming Pool. Now, anybody from Hawthorne will will be sort of rolling their eyes and say, "Oh yeah, I remember that." You know, <laughs> and uh, she would strut along the concrete side of the uh, of the public swimming pool, which is fairly large. In a rather brief bikini. Now, for those who don't realize, who are used to going to nude beaches uh, in in Miami and some other places these days, I mean, we're talking the '60s now, and there was a rule. I remember, I dream of genie. There was an American hangup, and and Goggs, maybe you as a uh, as a Scot. Uh, being from this side of the Atlantic I'm in Switzerland you're in Scotland of course we were we were far ahead over here with this sort of stuff but America is, is, is basically a, or it was anyway a very Puritan society they had this above the navel rule I mean they did have two piece bathing suits back in the 60s but that was it remember Dream of Jeannie she, you never saw her navel that, that was a was- big thing about the show and kind of like a house joke
2: you couldn't see her navel because of the requirements of TV at that time. Boy, have things changed. We've got more to come. We've got Gogs McKay and Bob Zanotti. You're in
1: The Paracast.
7: Thank you for listening to GCN.
8: That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com.
10: Want to save money on your employee health insurance plan? Learn the little-known
5: solution that could save thousands of dollars on your health insurance benefits and save your employees' money, too. Call Health Markets for a free consultation, and one of our 3,000 local agents will show you how to make health care reform work for you. We'll design customized solutions for your business that can lower health care costs for you and your employees. We'll work directly with you to determine your needs. We search thousands of health plans from over 180 health insurance companies nationwide. You'll also find out if tax credits could save you money. Best of all, the service is free of charge. See why Health Markets has enrolled Americans in more than 2 million insurance policies. You don't have to wait for open
11: enrollment to lower your cost. Call now. Find out how much you and your employees could be saving. Representatives are standing by to assist you. Call
12: 800-930-5137. That's 800-930-5137.
5: 800-930-5137. Is negative content or comments on the web affecting your personal or professional reputation? Unfavorable comments, embarrassing pictures, videos, legal documents, and negative articles can ruin your personal life, your career, or your business. It happens a lot, and it's just not fair. But what can you do? ReputationDefender.com can help protect your good name. Get a free consultation now. Call 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Call right now for a free expert reputation analysis. It's easy to squash the unfair attacks with our patented system. And the analysis is absolutely free. Make the best things about you jump out in searches. Protect your personal and professional reputation, your business, and your income. Get your free reputation analysis. From reputationdefender.com right now. Call 800 eight hundred eight three one zero seven seventy one. 800 That's 800-8310771. Or visit reputationdefender.com today.
8: This is Jacques Vallee. You're listening to the podcast, The Gold Standard of Paranormal Radio.
2: Here we go. Bob Zanotti, Gogs Mackay. And Bob is remembering his youth back in 1963 in high school. Debbie Harry kind of strutting her stuff a little bit, trying to be like a show person, right? That she had show business in her soul. Would that be the right vibe?
1: She did. And uh, since we're on a a paranormal show, the Paracast, I I think uh, I would be permitted the indulgence of even speculating about reincarnation, Uh, I would go so far. It's nice to be uh, uh, talking to an audience that that gets this sort of stuff, that understands it.
6: Sorry to interrupt, but just a few minutes ago when you were talking about Debbie Harry, I was about to make a comment that because we're in a paranormal show, whenever people seem to claim to have had a past-life aggression, it's funny how people say, "Oh, I was Julius Caesar or whatever," but I could believe that Debbie Harry was Cleopatra in a previous life. Were you about to say anything like that? Uh,
1: yes, I mean, uh, she—I uh, wouldn't—I—I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't uh, venture so far as to say Cleopatra or some other uh, um, uh, diva, but there was something. I mean, she didn't come into the world like this. I really think that she had. Something from a past life experience. Uh, she was perhaps a, a glamour star. I mean, you know, we had so many of these people back in the, the, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, and it would be, uh, totally theoretically possible for somebody like Debbie Harry, uh, a teenager at the time, to have been reincarnated from one of these divas, if people use that term anymore. But they uh, just- They kind of uh,
2: use that In a very limited way. They'll use it for Lady Gaga. I (laughs) guess they'll use it for Madonna. And they'll still use it for Barbara Streisand, who's still going strong. She's 74. But in the case of Lady Gaga, I don't know if you ever listen to her stuff. She can sing anything.
1: Well, I, I don't listen to Lady Gaga because I think she's Gaga. But that's another story. But as far as Debbie is concerned, this is really what I meant by using the term precocious. She was good at school. She was smart. I think, um, she was, uh, uh, Mr. Young's favorite, uh, French student. She took French, I believe, if I recall correctly. And, um, there was something about her that she had brought something from another life. Like, uh, they say Mozart would sit down at the piano and, and play something at, at the age of five or six. Well, she had this. Look, I'm an esoteric sort of guy. I'm an offbeat guy. My coffee clot show back in the 60s, of which you were a part, a regular part, Gene, was devoted to the offbeat. So I'm way – I'm absolutely wide open to anything. I'm willing to accept anything and I I do accept reincarnation. I totally believe in it. And I would say that Debbie Harry probably, as Goggs also suggested – was definitely reincarnated from something else. She had a similar past at some time. But as far as the the, the Hawthorne public swimming pool is concerned, I mustn't forget to finish that story. Uh, she wore a very, at the time, a very brief bikini, which was navel revealing. And it revealed other things. Also, the bra was very, very <laughs> scant. And did she turn faces at the uh, Hawthorne memorial pool? And I, my opinion, I, I think she needed that. She needed – she knew. I remember hanging at the side of the pool and watching her go by. I think a few guys did something else, but we won't discuss that here. This uh, is family radio. Don't tell me. I grew up in that, uh Gene. <laughs> don't worry about that. But I, I think I, I made my point. She would literally, literally strut around the pool. She rarely, I don't ever remember her going in the water, but she loved to be seen. She needed to be the focal point, and she certainly was. There's something else about Debbie Harry, and uh, I think in your in your last show, or the one where you mentioned, uh, uh, I think Chris O'Brien mentioned that, about hawthorne high school when when you 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 uh, quoted me as saying she was aloof and and so on and 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 Chris said uh, well he, she was dreaming of going across the river to new york and i that th- this is probably true there is I would like to call attention i don't have too much more about Debbie except when I see her she's just the same the same girl I remember back in in Hawthorne in the sixties, but there is an obscure song of hers you don't hear it much and i don't think it figured very prominently in the blondie repertoire it was called diamond bridge now for those uninitiated who don't come from hawthorne new jersey that sounds like a you know a fantasy uh, a title of a song diamond bridge people might even think she's into drugs or something diamond bridge Strawberry. Every song those days,
2: every song, was evaluated in terms of being a drug song. You know, yeah. I Got to Get You Into My Life, that was written primarily by Paul McCartney, and that was his first experience with marijuana, supposedly. Along Comes Mary from the association was about marijuana.
1: Well, they were all into it back then. you know. Oh, that. yes.
2: We need to move past this, though, and get back into the paranormal. It's like
1: it's- Bill Clinton saying, I, yes, I had marijuana, but I didn't inhale. <laughs> but I just, I, I'll, I'll give you the, the final, the, the final, uh, put the cap on Debbie Harry. There is a, a song, as I said, an obscure one. She doesn't perform it. Um, you can find it on YouTube and called Diamond, you know, like the gem, Diamond Bridge. Now, Here's the inside skinny, as we used to say years ago, back in the sixties and seventies. Diamond Bridge actually exists. It's not a fictitious title. It's not fantasy. There is a, the road, the main trading road, the main uh, business street that goes right through the center of this little town of Hawthorne, New Jersey of 16,000 people is called Diamond Bridge Avenue. There is a park, a Passaic County Park called Goffle Park, Goffle Brook Park. And the bridge that goes over the spring, the little brook there, is called Diamond Bridge. Now, her parents, had a little gift shop we used to uh, patronize that quite a bit they had stationery and little um, you know uh, gifts uh, that they would sell our parents uh the harry's ran that on diamond bridge avenue and so if you if you uh, look up diamond bridge lyrics you'll see an ode uh really it's very it's very poetic and it tells her whole desire. That's what it boils down to. Her desire to cross that bridge. And that gets back to what Chris said to go back to the, or, or over to the river to New York to leave suburban Hawthorne, New Jersey behind and break out into the big world. Diamond Bridge. Look under the lyrics. It's all there. All right.
2: And that's it for Debbie Harry. Because she is not a mystic, I guess. Or maybe <clears throat> she is. You never know. A lot I of the th- rock people were into UFOs, uh, ghosts, any kind of mysticism. It was
1: not uncommon. If you will let me, uh, permit me to say a final word about Debbie Harry. We have 30 uh, seconds. If, okay, I have no inside information, but I, I, it wouldn't surprise me in a bit uh, it, A bit to know that she was into uh, the esoteric or the paranormal. I, I think she was a very bright girl and probably might very well be open to it.
2: Very good. Let's move on. We're going to get more into the paranormal. Completely into the paranormal. We have Bob Zanotti, talk show host, old friend of mine. We have Gogs Mackay. We have Gene Steinberg. You're in.
6: The The podcast.
2: Stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the PowerCast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour.
13: Did you know your car can be hacked just like your computer or phone? Hackers can hijack the signal of your own key fob to burglarize your vehicle in seconds. The Black Hole Faraday key fob bag is a signal impenetrable shield that stops these hacks in their tracks protect one of your most valuable assets. Go to HackProofBag.com. That's HackProofBag.com and use promo code RADIO to get 20% off or call 805-222-4584. 805-222-4584.
3: Are you one of the 70% of Americans that want to own your own business? Afraid to leave the security of your current job to pursue your dreams? I'm Pharmacist Keith. Dr. Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, and myself, want to show you a low-cost way to create your own business, working around your current job schedule, creating extra income for you and your family by joining his crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com. Radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com.
12: Will the government protect your family from Iran and North Korea's newest weapon, EMP? We buy guns to protect ourselves, home, health, and car insurance for accidents. Maybe you also have food storage. But how would you keep your refrigerator running in a long-term EMP blackout? Using tested military designs, the Solark EMP-hardened solar generator protects and powers your critical appliances for years without burying items underground or wrapping them in aluminum foil. Unlike other preps, Solark is used every day to help offset your electric bill automatically. Visit PortableSolarLLC.com to learn
15: Why be held hostage by your wireless carrier for two years? What if you had no contract, no activation fees, no hidden costs, tracking, tracing, harvesting customer data, or draconian gimmicks? All on America's largest 4G, LTE, GSM, and Sprint networks. Introducing PIX Wireless. Activate your Sprint, AT&T, or unlock GSM phones with PIX, and choose from an arsenal of monthly plans or build your own. Starting at only 2 dollars per month. Get connected now. Call or click 1-866-205-9513 or PIXWireless.com, spelled P-I-X-Wireless.com. Pick PIX and get connected today.
0: This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast.
2: Chris O'Brien is hanging out in Thailand. The poor soul. Eating pad thai or something like that with chicken. We have Gogs Mackay and Bob Zanotti. We're remembering the past and covering a lot of different things. And I wanted to bring up something more current, but only in a general sense. Now, every time... Bob and Goggs, if we try to talk about politics on this show, people freak because it's so polarized. We have this thread over at the Paracast forums, which I established called the official Paracast political thread. Everything has to be official over there. And boy, the back and forth gets to be pretty hot and heavy, especially during the election. But the one development here is, of course, that the disclosure people had hopes for Hillary Clinton because she seemed to be the UFO candidate. She said she'd look into it on a number of TV shows and interviews and John Podesta is kind of a UFO guy and I read a story the other day where Stephen Bassett says that he's been in correspondence with John Podesta for 10 years. Then he adds, of course, I send him emails, he never responds to me, which means, of course, it's not correspondence, it is... He's emailing somebody. And by the way, I did ask Stephen Bassett if he'd like to come on the PowerCast. And we haven't been very kind to him, so he declined, respectfully. But I wanted to be fair because of that. Now, obviously, Hillary lost any hope that she'd do something as president. Ends with that. Whether she would do anything private now, that's a good question.
6: I don't know. I I never had any faith that she was actually going to do something because the fact she was Secretary of State beforehand, she's married to somebody who supposedly had an interest, really she was kind of right in the inner circle. If she really wanted to find out, I don't think she would have to wait until she herself was a president to do so. So I'm a bit dubious about that. I don't know if she, because I think we've said said on the podcast before that she would only answer UFO questions when they were brought up. It's not like something she brought to the table and she would announce when I get in or if I get in, I'm going to do such and such regarding UFOs. It was always in response to a journalist or whatever's questions. And what you what you were just saying about John Podesta, Gene, I'm just thinking off the top of my head about, you know, Chris mentioned about Tom DeLong, the ex-Blink-182 frontman, who's put a book out and he's uh, supposedly having lots of contact with John Podesta as well. And I think he had been mooting that something was going to happen when they get in. Obviously, he was hoping Hillary was going to get in as well. Uh, I'm not going to state a preference for either Trump or Hillary at all. I'm not going to touch that with a barge pole. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't believe that about that she was going to be any particular UFO candidate.
2: Well, that's typical. You have presidential candidates who say something that may be positive for people interested in UFOs. They get into office, and suddenly it all disappears. It vanishes behind the curtain. And perhaps they're saying that because they feel there's a UFO vote. You know, maybe if Hillary got enough UFO votes, she would have been elected president. Who knows? But the one thing we do know is that Donald Trump said nothing that we know about the subject, evidently wasn't
1: even asked. But I wonder then whether somebody
2: who claims to be outside the system would go in there and maybe get interested in it.
1: Well, if I can jump in here, I've uh, heard many discussions about disclosure, and it's a never-ending story. And I think Goggs brings up a very good point, and and so do you, uh, uh, Gene. I've often thought when it came to uh, so much talk about Hillary Clinton, John Podesta talking about disclosure, or they didn't talk about disclosure. They said they would uh, look into it and trying to get to the bottom of it. I'm, I'm sorry to sound cynical. It's it's not really part of my personal philosophy, but it's what the French call a defamation professionnelle. I've been a, a, a political journalist now for uh, 46 years. And, um, you know, I've seen it all, heard it all. And uh, as much as I would like to be optimistic, and I try very hard to be optimistic, I I can't help but be cynical about this as far as Hillary Clinton is concerned. I I think you're right, Gene. It's vote-getting. It was vote-getting. If one-legged toads had the right to vote in the election, she'd be going after them. Uh, She was going after anybody who had the right to vote. And, of course, uh, it's cheap and easy uh, there's no commitment, uh, you know. Uh, yes, I will look into it. And, of course, a few uh, uh, pieces of information are circulated that John Podestas has a personal interest in UFOs. That certainly is no guarantee that she's going to get to the bottom of it. And it's no guarantee that there's going to be disclosure. Uh, the one issue that maybe we can uh, chew the fat around here. Is uh, the question of whether the president and this has been speculated about uh, for a long time whether even the President has access to this information, my personal view is and i'll throw this out on the table personally I don't buy the story that the even the president doesn't have the need to know and the military is is hiding all of this and is a conspiracy. I'm willing to go, you know, a few steps towards some conspiracy theories, but this one is too outrageous. The president of the United States is the commander in chief and has legal access to every and all bits of intelligence and military information. If he says, I want to know about UFOs, he's going to find out or she's going to find out about it. I think there's, um, there's something fishy about the whole thing about disclosure.
6: Yeah, I agree totally, Bob, Um, because, I mean, a a president surely could even just write an executive order, you know, naming himself as somebody who should be read into whatever. But I always go back to the point that, well, even if there is an active, you know, uh, quasi-government group who is keeping the lid on UFOs, there could always be what, what you would suppose you'd call an accidental disclosure, literally something, you know, like a maybe even a human-made flying saucer copied from an alien one or whatever. But anyway, crashes very publicly. Something happens that lets the cat out of the bag. And you couldn't have the president completely in the dark and having to start from scratch if such a thing happened he'd cuz he'd suddenly have to be brought you know people would want to know from the commander in chief what's happening what they're going to do about it and i don't believe that they they, they would only uh you know like brief a president if such a thing were to happen i do believe that maybe depending on who's in or maybe depending on who's got to do the telling if you like doing the briefing maybe they get told certain differing amounts and maybe they Maybe their different presidents are interested to different degrees. You I know, mean, we know Carter would have been interested, um, and maybe they get as much as they kind of want. And you know, I I don't think Obama. He's never to me. I know he's made the odd kind of funny comment about Roswell and Area 51 or whatever, but I, I never got the impression he was even remotely interested. And and let's face it, we we all know people, our family members and stuff. They've got zero not even a one percent interest in ufos and there's no reason that it should be any different for politicians or people who make it to the white house so I, i've got to think that really as commander in chief um head of the country that i i think if there's something to be told like if there is active american participation military whatever i think they would need to be told pretty early on to a degree and they've got to swear all kind of, you know, oaths of office and it's just expected that they're going to be able to, um, you know, handle classified information and they, it's not like they're kind of low down on the pecking order of how much they should be exposed to, what they should be read into. I mean, there absolutely should be. I mean, this whole, you know, I don't know, 37 levels of top secret above the president... Well, I, I had a top secret clearance, and I'm not saying I was had access to everything or whatever. But the the idea that there's 37 levels above whatever, and you would imagine each level is even more kind of as yeah, a smaller level in terms of how many people are exposed to this information. That just makes no sense to me at all. You've got you've literally got things that are top secret, and then they are compartmented by code words and you're either in them or not and they are kind of at the same level. There's no like super, 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 super secret anything. Um, It it would just be something restricted to fewer and fewer people but there's no kind of uh, pecking order to do to that not that i'm aware of anyway and i certainly don't believe that president has you know the sorry that the people in the ufo secret are 37 levels above the president i've never bought that at all either bob
2: let's continue with that in our next segment disclosure what do the presidents know or don't know and are they given information that makes them not want to tell you about it Bob Sinati, Cox McKay, You're in
6: the podcast.
7: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
1: Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget.
4: There is an
16: affordable alternative to the high cost of health care that offers freedom from insurance while providing compliance with the Obamacare individual mandate. Imagine having access to quality, affordable health care that allows you the freedom to choose your doctor and hospital. Members can share up to 100% of necessary medical expenses, including some alternative treatments. Find out how you and your family can contain health care costs without giving up your freedom. Go to LibertyOnCall.org. That's LibertyOnCall.org.
1: Welcome back to the Paracast The gold standard of paranormal radio And now, here's Gene Steinberg
2: I'm Gene Steinberg And I want to remind you that we've got that special feature Of the Paracast Called the Paracast Plus New lower prices starting at $4.99 a month. You get the After the PowerCast podcast. We've also added videos and selected podcasts from the other side of truth from our friend Paul Kimball. And we're adding more and more episodes as time progresses here. We just added a video featuring Kevin Randall. Really beautiful quality and everything. That's part of what you get when you join the PowerCast Plus at plus.theparacast.com, PLUS.theparacast.com. And I'm going international today. We have Goggs Mackay from Scotland, Bob Zanotti from Switzerland, and Gene Steinberg, who must be somewhere in outer space, I think. I haven't decided yet. And the question on the table whether there are 37 classifications above top secret, does the President of the United States know anything, and if he does, about UFOs? Does that prevent him from telling us? You know, how is he read in if there is a secret? If they read the president in, do they say, this is why you can't say anything? We don't know because he will never tell us. Or some people say, hey, he doesn't have the need to know. Don't tell him. Just, you know, placate him. Say, well, you know, there's nothing to it. Goodbye. Goodbye. I wouldn't know. I kind of think, as Bob would say, the president has to know if there's a secret, if he is even willing to check it out.
1: That's the point, uh, Gene. If if you allow me to jump in here and follow up on what Gog said before the break and what you have just said, I think all of the above are correct. It's a game of words. I remember in my early university uh, journalism classes, Studying the art of propaganda, and one of the uh, the rules of propaganda, and Goggs probably knows this very well. He was probably in uh, in, in a field of operations which actually functioned uh, on this principle. The art of propaganda is not what you tell people, but what you don't tell people. That's the that's the real issue. And I think that it could very well be that there are levels of security even above the president. But my take on it would be that the, the powers that be, let's say the military establishment, the Pentagon, the NSA, whichever we want to talk about, they have a lot of information which they don't deluge the president with There may be a feeling that does he, this this term, need to know. Maybe they honestly believe the president does not have the need to know. Maybe the president really doesn't want to know. But I would use the phrase on-demand information. The president has the golden key. We're talking about the American political system, obviously. The president is the supreme commander of the American military establishment. Constitutionally, he has the right to know everything, every single day. Even uh, Donald Trump now is being given daily, top-level, high-security data information to prepare him for the presidency. There are so many problems in our world. And I'm speaking now as a a seasoned uh, political journalist and international broadcaster, an old shortwave guy who dealt with a lot of this peripheral stuff. Politicians have got to set a limit. They have their own red lines, what they want to know and what they don't. And they're surrounded by people who protect them all the time. The president is simply not physically or emotionally or psychologically in a position to absorb all of the information. And don't forget that we here on the Paracast are deeply devoted and interested and uh, dedicated to the search for knowledge and information about these very specific fields of esoteric knowledge, to use that term. I would not assume that the average person, which includes the President of the United States, is interested in this, except maybe for Clinton or Podesta, and as I said uh, in the last uh, segment— uh, I think it was vote getting. I, I, you know, I don't. I don't question that maybe Hillary Clinton and John Podesta have a serious interest in this, but I don't think they were going to make it a national priority. The world is falling apart. America, to a large extent, is in shambles, and I don't think divulging information about UFOs is very high on their agenda. And there is also th- th- this aspect: if the president wants to know, he or she holds the golden key to all information. There is no wall, there is no lock that the American presidency cannot unlock. I'm convinced of that. But the question is, do they want to? Do they even care? And that's where I would use this term on-demand information. If they speak up and they pound their fist on the table and say, General... I want, I'm going to have your head if I do not have every dossier on UFOs and I want clear information here and I want it in one hour or else you're out of here. I'll on the other
2: it. hand, what could also happen, this is another conspiracy theory, is that when he's read in before he takes the oath of office or after, he's read in and they say, you really don't want to ask, you really don't want to ask And depending on the level of curiosity of the president, well, we've got these 10 different crises to face. Let's set that aside and maybe we'll revisit it later. So he deals with the 10 different things and then there's 20 more things. And he's so busy, unless there was a compelling need for him to know about UFOs.
1: That's the point, Gene. They can just blow him off. That's the point, exactly the point I'm trying to make. It's not high on the priority list. I mean let's take let's go back to the favorite our favorite discussion Roswell. Let's visit that in the sense that maybe it happened. Let us assume for the sake of of argument and rhetoric that there actually was a crash of extraterrestrials and they had little bodies that they took away in little coffins and put them up somewhere in in, in Area 51. Let's assume this is true. But now we're in the year 2016. 2016. Nothing has happened. We have not been invaded by flying saucers. The day the earth stood still has not yet happened. No world capital has been visited that we're aware of. I mean, there's lots of stuff below the surface brewing, but it's not enough to awake the interest of uh, someone as powerful as the president of the United States or the president of France or the, the chancellor of Germany. They've got other problems. Or the British prime minister. If the country, if the world is not in immediate threat of these things or from these things, they're not going to worry about it. Maybe, maybe there was some scuttlebug. Uh, uh, bud, uh, let's say a president, for example, or a prime minister was told at a cocktail party somewhere, well, you know, Madam Prime Minister or, you know, Mr. President, you know, he might say, hey, is there anything to this flying saucer stuff? He's, oh, we got lots on it. But uh, there's really nothing to worry about. uh, But you've got a pile of other stuff on your desk. I I don't doubt for a moment that discussions like this actually happen. But they never come to the surface because there's no immediate need. There is no national threat. And that is the threshold in which a head of state or powerful person will, will kick in. Is there a national threat? Is there a national danger? And so far, as far as we can see... UFOs do not create or do not represent a national or international danger.
2: Now, let's get back to this conspiratorial version of that, Bob. That is, okay, no threat to national security. Or the reverse is true. They know UFOs are hostile. They have some kind of intent to harm us, or they appear to have that intent. We don't know. We can't do anything about it, Mr. President. So he, along with his cabinet secretaries and his military people and his intelligence people, will say, you know what? We can't say anything now because it would cause panic. We just have to figure out how to handle it. And when and if we do, we can make an announcement. But right now, it wouldn't be prudent. Oh, big conspiracy. Bob Zanotti, Gogs mackay You're listening to the Paracast. The award-winning graphic converter, the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over 1.5 million loyal users for this Swiss Army knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top flight image editing app with tons of features, and most important, it's easy to use. Get 20% off from lemkesoft.de slash gene. That's L E M K E SOFT.de slash gene. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code.
13: and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's f i v e starsoapcom Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog.
16: There is an affordable alternative to the high cost of healthcare that offers freedom from insurance while providing compliance with the Obamacare individual mandate. Imagine having access to quality, affordable healthcare that allows you the freedom to choose your doctor and hospital. Members can share up to 100% of necessary medical expenses, including some alternative treatments. Find out how you and your family can contain healthcare costs without giving up your freedom. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org.
1: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
2: Can't keep the guy from performing. Bob Zanati, Gogs Mackay. So, Gogs... When it comes to the ultimate conspiracy theory, UFOs are hostile, keeping it a secret would make sense, wouldn't it?
6: Yes. I mean, as as much as I would like to think, you know, we, we would have a right to know, I do understand that with the people who have to make decisions about these large questions, well, we know sometimes even just with maybe bad weather coming or a tornado coming or something, a hurricane coming, something, is, often the roads can get totally jam-packed with people leaving. And if there did seem to be some real kind of threat, I do believe there could be a panic, depending on what the threat was perceived to be and how it was kind of broadcast to the people in what tone or whatever. But maybe the truth is quite ugly and quite frightening evening. I think probably the most frightening thing for a government is that they are completely in the dark, is that they they know there's something going on, but they're literally as clueless as the three of us. And for governments, I suppose, that's probably the worst position to be in because they've they've no idea which way to turn, what to do. They don't like to be seen by the electorate, by the people to not have a handle on things and to to have to admit that yes this this is definitely going on worldwide we don't know what it is we we can't or haven't made contact we don't know what the intentions are we cannot work it out it may be the reason is just that they don't know and that's kind of almost worse almost worse than admitting, yes, the Soviets are a threat, would be somewhere like North Korea, where you're, you just don't really know because it's such a secretive country. So maybe, you know, the subject of UFOs, if, if we don't have much of a handle on it, but we know it's happening, then that could be really worrying. And that's another reason not to say anything at all, because it could be really bad. But either way, if they don't know about it,
1: well, I, uh, uh, Gogs, I think that uh, you're you're uh, absolutely uh, right on there. From my listening to you in previous uh, Paracast, we don't know each other personally. It's the first contact we've had, and uh, I've always admired you, incidentally. Uh, you're a very bright guy, and you uh, have a lot of intelligent things to say, which has always impressed me. You have a government uh, background. You have, military,
6: not government. Yeah.
1: Well, government and military is part of the government normally. Uh, true, you have yeah. a military background, okay. And, um, you know, military people don't don't fool around. They're pretty level-headed. And uh, I, I think um, the issue is, first of all, to repeat myself, and uh, it's been said again, uh, if there's no immediate threat, the military doesn't kick in. But, of course, as you, I believe, know very well, Goggs, And I am not a spy who's been following you. (laughs)
2: Uh, Maybe you have something to admit,
1: Bob. Oh, you never know. The shadow knows. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, you realize how these things go. There's a a lot of money is thrown at uh, sometimes very unpromising uh, research projects. And uh, it could be uh, flying saucers, it could be telep- telepathy, it could be training frogs to uh, to assassinate political leaders or something. They, you know, the, the, the military establishment and certainly the secret services spend huge amounts or squander huge amounts of money in this. But I, I, I think an ironclad security, an ironclad secrecy, uh, if there were really a phenomenon— I somehow I I've, I've, I'm not the first one to say this I know it but it should have come out by now of course there are those who claim it has we just haven't looked for it that's all um but I think um the the first reaction as I say of the military is going to be is there a national threat and we know NATO has a lot of intelligence uh, information there is a lot of international uh, the the allied or friendly nations have a lot of information exchange. Um, the question is, they may very well have identified phenomena of this kind that we generally describe as UFOs or ETs. But I think like the rest of us, and this is what you were saying, Gogs, they really don't know any more than we do about it. I mean, they're probably speculating just the same way we are and um we we'll never will never really know uh unless a flying saucer sets down uh in central park or in hyde park london or something um and this never seems to happen which is always puzzling there's another thing which always puzzled me and i'm an internationalist i'm in switzerland um and when i hear discussions about flying saucers and i know there is an answer to this but I always find it interesting that the the reports of flying saucers that I hear about always seem to come from the United States. And I'm always puzzled as to why this should be. I know you in the UK have got a lot of reports, the reports from Brazil and the reports from China and and Japan and Italy and everything else. But the whole folklore uh, around flying saucers, going back to... uh, to Kenneth Arnold in 1947 revolves around the United States. And the thought that I've had, and looking, uh, I've also contributed a few comments which were not well received on the forum, on the Paracast forum, uh, a couple of years, several years ago. Um, for example, I think it was in New Mexico, uh, where people were constantly seeing strange things in the sky, And I actually did some journalistic research and found out that that sector of uh, northwestern, or northeastern Nevada, is a military test zone. So (laughs) uh, I think you know where I'm going here. Um, I really believe there are flying saucers. But I don't know, or, or or extraterrestrial or whatever visitations, we have phenomena that are being seen. And I believe that there, there there's a lot of this stuff which is really true, but I simply don't know where it comes from. We can get into the multidimensional theory. We can get into the classic flying saucers from another planet or whatever you want to say. I'm sure it exists, but uh, I think an awful lot of the stuff that's being seen is probably military test aircraft. And, um, I mean, I know a lot, of, a lot of people would disagree with that. But I think there's a lot of confusion, especially so many of the reports from the United States are really uh, conventional or, you know, unconventional military objects that are being tested.
2: Let me throw a few things out here. Now, as you probably recall, Bob, our old friend Jim Mosley used to send an Earth theory about UFOs. He used to use that theory, I think, just to be different. Or maybe he believed some of it, but I remember a conversation he had with Dr. Leon Davidson, who was a guy who released the printed copy of the Project Blue Book Special Report 14 back in the 60s. And he changed his theory because Dr. Davidson, who had worked with government credentials, said something that he backtracked on. And Jim gave up his earth theory as a result. We've got more to come. We're talking to Bob Zanotti and Gogs McKay. You're in.
1: The Paracast.
7: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
17: How confident are you in your food storage? If it was all you had to rely on, would it sustain your family? Hard times, good times, or any time? New Mana Storable Food is the proven superior choice. Learn for yourself what happened when one man ate only New Mana Storable Food for an entire month. Online at PowerPrepper.com. That's PowerPrepper.com. Experience
5: the New Mana difference.
2: America made food stores don't love to
4: eat yum.
3: You're fired. According to the Small Business Administration, 75% of small businesses plan to eliminate jobs or reduce workers' hours to part-time. You're fired. According to Gallup, the unemployment rate recently jumped to nearly 9%, and the underemployment rate hit a staggering 17.9%. You're fired. One out of three young adults and one out of two recent college graduates are underemployed. Hello, I'm Keith Abel, a pharmacist and a home business entrepreneur. In 2011, I became one of those statistics myself. Instead of looking for another job in corporate America, I joined Dr. Joel Wallet, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. We're creating steady incomes for ourselves and would like to show you how to do the same. If you want to supplement your current income, replace your income, so you don't have to become one of the statistics, then give me a call toll-free at 866-257-3105. 866-257-3105. You're fired. Don't wait till you hear those words. Start creating an extra income today. 866-257-3105.
9: Have you ever thought you'd like to flip houses but didn't know how or where to get the money? Are you ready to be your own boss so you can start living the good life? Hi, I'm Preston Neely. I used to be so broke. I had my electricity turned off nine times, but I figured out a way to quit my job and find financial freedom in real estate. For a limited time, I want to send you a free copy of my smash hit selling book, How to Get Rich in Real Estate. It shows you how to copy exactly what I did so you can make money from the comfort of your own home without even doing any manual labor. I've already given away 5,000 books and they're going fast. To get one before they're gone, call one 800 958 Nine two five six. Listen, if you're sick and tired of stressing about money, this book could change your life. It's short, fun to read, easy to understand, and awesome. To find out how to get your free book while supplies last, call 1-800-958-9256. Call 1-800-958-9256. 1-800-958-9256.
10: Hi, Peter Peccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code George for a substantial discount.
8: Hi, it's Grant Cameron from presidentialufo.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
2: Okay, continuing with Bob Zanotti and Gogsa Mackay, Chris O'Brien is in Thailand, sleeping, when this is happening. I could use a nap myself. You get older, you want a nap. Okay, now... One of the early linchpins of the UFO field is the Kenneth Arnold sighting, June 24th, 1947, nine objects seen near Mount Rainier in the state of Washington. He estimated that they traveled at 1,200 miles an hour. Now, if you look at your historical record, you'll find that the speed of sound, less than half that, was not exceeded until later that year. So if... Arnold was correct in that estimation, then supposedly these craft were flying faster than any known aircraft. But there could be other solutions there. Number one is he was wrong with his estimates. For whatever reason, maybe they were going 500 miles an hour. Perfectly possible. Maybe he was wrong. Maybe there were test aircraft that could go Mach 2, okay? But officially they didn't exist for a couple of years or so later. So right there... What would have happened to the UFO field if Kenneth Arnold's sighting was easily explained as just test aircraft? That's the end of it. It doesn't mean there wouldn't be UFOs, but certainly the, one of the main reasons for all the publicity was the way he described those objects, saucers skipping across water or some such, and they said flying saucers, and that was it. It became a cultural phenomenon. If UFOs had not become a cultural phenomenon... What might have happened?
6: It, it, it's hard to discount the the beginning as being from the, the reports of Car- uh, Kenneth Arnold, uh, and I know many people say, "Well, you know, well, Stanton Friedman for one, he would say that you know the reason it all kicked off around that time is to do with you know atom bombs and what have you." I can imagine a parallel Earth, you know, uh, in history in which Kenneth Arnold's sighting doesn't happen. And you got to wonder that if the media hadn't picked up it then, that maybe maybe during the next 10 years or so, it would have got to the same point of interest. But that may have definitely been the start of a snowball rolling down the hill in that it just maybe as sometimes news stories do, they gather momentum and then because of that, people start looking up the sky and maybe most of them are seeing test aircraft or whatever, and weather balloons, whatever. They just didn't really look up before. But you, you can totally see, you could argue that just because of one story that went nationwide, probably worldwide, you know, because of the, the, the increased interest, that could have kind of literally started the whole flying saucer thing. And whether or not there are real flying saucers at that time or not, that may have snowballed on. And at the same time, if the sighting hadn't happened, at some point, maybe someone else would have come out with a sighting that would have snowballed on. But I think I think most people do trace it back to him. Not the first strange objects claimed to be seen in the sky by a long mile, but definitely the start of modern ufological craze is then. I, I just wanted to quickly go back to the presidential thing for a minute but not on UFOs what do we know about any previous presidents and anything else that's paranormal Uh, I'm thinking about how you know well, the White House is supposedly haunted um, and we know that Reagan used astrology so we've got Clinton UFOs, Reagan astrology which A lot of people would say it was paranormal. Um, But I'm not really aware of any other presidents that are known for any other kind of paranormal interest. Do do you two know?
1: Well, I I can only speculate that um, the the golden age of uh, spiritualism and the occult was in the late 19th century. That would be interesting if there were some scholars, and I'm not one, but someone who could uh, speculate or even bring evidence about uh, interest in the White House at that time. What you say, uh, Gogs, is absolutely correct. Uh, I would assume it's probably not a new phenomenon. We, it's just that a lot of the stuff gets lost in history. Maybe Theodore Roosevelt uh, used to have
6: seances
1: in the White House. I don't know.
6: Pure speculation. I'm sure I've actually heard that a few sitting presidents have claimed to have seen the ghost of Abraham Lincoln or whatever, and, you know, his bed, the Lincoln bedroom or whatever is, is uh, haunted. Queen, but... Wasn't it Queen Victoria said she saw him? Uh, I'm not sure,
1: actually, but I definitely seem to remember. I read this uh, re- recently, uh, Queen Victoria. I can't verify the source, so it's journalistically unsound. But I saw it on the Internet Um at a fairly reliable source, but I can't, I can't uh, quote it at the moment, that, that Queen Victoria was on a state visit to Washington, and in the uh, she heard a knock on the door, opened the door, and it was Abraham Lincoln standing there. That sounds absolutely incredible and absurd, may very well be, but uh, that was one anecdote that I read about.
6: Maybe somebody in the forum can fill me on, on this, but I'm pretty sure it's... Maybe one or two presidents, certainly in the last hundred years, have claimed to have seen ghosts of former presidents. And I think I think the name Lincoln definitely come up. I don't know about any of the other previous presidents, the previous 44. Um, Gene, does that ring a bell at all?
2: With regard to previous presidents?
6: Yeah, uh, yes. And like ghost sightings in the White House, whatever.
2: Oh, boy. Offhand, I've heard a few things here and there. But I just can't think which president might be involved. I mean, we know that Nancy Reagan, of course, was consulting with a psychic. And there were stories that in his second term, Ronald Reagan was already suffering from the effects of Alzheimer's, although that was not made public until years later.
1: Uh, Listen, guys, could I uh, break in with this anecdote, which is very timely regarding the, the American presidential election? I spent a lot of time in the internet as we all do and I, I read some very interesting stuff. Did you hear did you did you two hear about the Chinese monkey prophet? Uh was came out last week on the net. And yep. he this monkey had predicted that, that Donald Trump would win the presidency. Apparently this monkey is considered worshipped almost as a as a prophet. He um, was given two photographs. He, he, he predicted, uh, correctly predicted um, uh, football or soccer championships, <laughs> things like this. And he was given two pictures, Donald Trump and uh, Hillary Clinton. And he went, uh, sorry about the pun, but he went ape over <laughs> Donald Trump and even gave him a kiss. <laughs> and there was also a group of, um, if we want to bring a... Uh, an esoteric or paranormal uh, twist of the election. I uh, recently heard about a group of uh, remote viewers, a panel. I think seven of them, and five of the seven. This was, of course, before the election. Said they did not see uh, Hillary Clinton winning the election.
6: The, the the thing about the monkey reminds me of um, the soccer World Cup. I'm not. I'm not even a soccer fan. Being British, but. If a world cup or two ago was there not some octopus or something that was correctly predicting i mean really well past chance correct uh, correctly predicting who was going to win the games in each round of the competition I and of, i think yeah. i think that kind of started a meme about animals predicting things and so i i don't know if the monkey came after the octopus or whatever um but I hadn't heard about remote viewers saying that Hillary Clinton would not become president, but um, I suppose, uh, I suppose it anyone…
1: Was, it's a strange formulation, Gogs. Instead of coming out and saying Donald Trump is going to win, the, the person responsible or involved in the experiment uh, simply said, and I thought the wording was rather strange, um, the, the majority of the panel did not see Hillary Clinton winning.
2: Let's do our break, guys. Bob Zanati, Gene Steinberg, Gogs Mackay, if you're in the Tarakast.
7: You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNLive.com today.
2: We also have swag. all this stuff. You go to store.thepowercast.com, store.thepowercast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great t-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special. And multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large, a lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour.
4: Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNtelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week,
18: Today, living in the United States means that your online privacy is at risk. Regaining that privacy means going abroad. Privacy Abroad offers secure online privacy because our servers are located in Switzerland, a safe haven for digital communications. As a law-abiding citizen, you have nothing to hide, but you certainly have something to lose. Regain your Fourth Amendment rights and your peace of mind. Go to patriot.privacyabroad.com now. That's patriot.privacyabroad.com
5: dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Injuryhelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal office, Las Vegas, Nevada. If you
13: or someone you care about loves outdoor adventure, then check out Slingbow.com for some unique holiday gift ideas. That's Slingbow.com, where we have some innovative new products for the archer, hunter, or bow fishing enthusiast in your family. Now through January, use the promo code HOLIDAY to get free shipping in the U.S. or Canada. And from all of us at Slingbow Industries, have a safe, joyous, and peaceful holiday season.
10: This is Kurt Seven, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast.
2: Yes, Bob Zanotti, the wording is kind of strange there. Because that would imply it wouldn't be Trump either.
1: <laughs> well, it was it was uh, covering all bets, really. I sure. mean uh, Of course, I know you don't like to get into politics, but uh, there is, I mean, I think it's legitimate to bring up the question of a third party candidate, which is a a hot potato in American politics. And uh, it's been speculated, I think, uh, quite justly that uh, had Bernie Sanders been put up by the Democrats, the outcome of the election might have been entirely different.
6: I've got something else just come to mind about the the presidential election, and that is something I've brought up before, is what is it about the United States and political dynasties? So you've got the Kennedys, you've got the the Clintons, well nearly the Clintons in terms of presidency, and I, I don't know if it's being... Mooted much over in the, in the United States, but on the BBC News website, which is where I get most of my news, there's already been stories about Michelle Obama, an oath that she doesn't want to run about, but running for president in 2020, and I'm thinking. Give other people a chance. Stop stop trying to get the job for your brother or your wife or your son or your nephew. I think that's highly undemocratic to have these political dynasties and the bushes where you just it just it just seems to be just as bad as the British aristocracy. Or, or the the monarchy in that you know we're, we're keeping it all for ourselves. We don't want anyone and anyone else to have the job, and certainly not anyone of the riffraff. Um, what do you guys think about political dynasties in the United States? Maybe most Americans are are for that kind of thing. Don't see anything wrong with it, kind of. But to me, it's it's very undemocratic.
1: Well, let me jump in here. I mean, um, I, I know that, uh, or I sense and I think that. Um, Gene doesn't want the program to get uh, too much political, but I, I, I think the answer, the first thing that comes to my mind, uh, Gog, is a very interesting point you make. I think it has to do with an old tradition of so-called um, prominent families. It seems to be an old American tradition, uh, particularly alive in uh, the southern states of the United States and um, in New England, and look at Massachusetts, the well-known families. And I think it's very apt what you said, that it's sort of the American equivalent of aristocracy. Americans like to pretend that every, <laughs> it's an egalitarian society, like the French, you know, egalité, uh, fraternité, liberté. But I don't think it works uh, quite the way the theory is uh, is put. I, I think that's what it is. It's also, it helps make the decision easier, it's a known product. It's a, it's a brand. You know, I hate that uh, modern marketing brands everything.
6: That's a good analogy, Bob. I had never thought of it as a brand, but that you're quite right. Yeah, it's like we could start calling Roswell a brand. You know, it is uh, a brand,
2: isn't it?
1: it? It is a brand. I mean, that's that's what it is. You know, uh, you say Roswell, and everybody knows. You say Lifesavers, everybody knows. Coca Cola, everybody knows. Uh, and and I think this is largely what it is. It's it's just uh, basically marketing, marketing people rather than products. You see, I'm always bothered by the fact that
2: Roswell is like another linchpin of UFO reality. If Roswell turned out to be a test aircraft that crashed, a test balloon, all the excuses and everything, Roswell turns out to be conventional. It doesn't end the UFO mystery, nor does any revelation that the Kenneth Arnold sighting might have been conventional. It doesn't. But we're spending so much time invested in Roswell. It's a brand. A lot of money is being made over Roswell. A lot of books have been written. That shouldn't be the be-all and end-all, and that's one thing that always concerns me. I just wish we could set it aside. But here's what happens. We say on the Powercast we are not going to talk about Roswell anymore. Enough. We've had enough of it. But you know what? They want to hear it. Anytime we bring on a Roswell guest, they want to talk about it. So we had Kevin Randall on a number of months back, and he had written a book called Roswell in the 21st Century, or for the 21st Century. I'm not going to look it up. And he gave us a preview of it, that some of the evidence that they accepted for Roswell on reexamination wasn't quite there, didn't make it. Although I think one of the big things was, the alleged being seen in connection with Roswell that he came to believe less and less. Now, if anyone wants to know, Kevin Randall is doing a radio show now, his own radio show, as a result of which he's not doing too many other shows for a while, but he'll be back. But there you go. We're depending too much on Roswell, depending too much on Kenneth Arnold, and I just hope we'll move past it someday, but not in my lifetime probably.
1: But Jean, let me, let me stir the pot for a moment here, and I hope. This OK,
2: let' let me get my spoon. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> I, hope I need not. a ladle. Let me yep. get my pot.: Yeah. I am not
2: that kind of pot, gogs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, like, I, I prefer wooden spoons. Uh, I cook a lot of sauces, uh, and I, I don't mean this to be provocative, especially uh, after what you've just said. But you know, the thought just occurred to me. We dwell on Roswell. Well, a lot of people dwell on Roswell just as though – the same way we we dwell on old movies like The Day the Earth Stood Still. It's one of my old time favorites. I watch it over and over, never get tired of it. And I think this is what it is. This is why people are drawn back to Roswell and some of the old classic uh, stories, especially Roswell is a classic. And people the, – the, the answers are, are have not – been forthcoming. The questions are still there. It's never been answered. Of course, uh, you can order, I mean, you can discuss this till the cows come home. But I I, I just want to throw this out. Theoretically, rhetorically speaking, how many Roswells have maybe happened since the Roswell incident and the, the military, the authorities covered them up more effectively than the Roswell incident? the means available to them are uh, far more sophisticated
6: than they were in those days. That's very true. And that's just talking about the United States. I would imagine a country like China, which has much more control over its people, its, its broadcasting movement of people, it's also a large land landmass and you know, we know there's lots of UFO activity reported in Brazil. So what's being covered up in these places as well, and with what you're saying there, Bob, as well, about not only could maybe the military be better at covering up things since Roswell, but Who knows if maybe they are the ones that are kicking up the name Roswell again for the old "look over here and not over there" kind of thing? Um, It might be so. So, for instance, when Bill Clinton said he was going to look into the Roswell thing again, and the, the U.S. Air Force did that. Who knows if there was a, another? You know, it's a shell game. There was something else more interesting going on. They think, all right, we'll start publicising that. We're going to re look into. We're going to look into Roswell again, and whether something happened there or not. I suppose it could be a, a useful tool as um, a distraction. Um, now, what's the other? What's the other New Mexico crash that that? Um, that is next to Roswell in terms of known, uh, well, supposed American saucer crash landings. That's on the tip of my tongue, but I think Gene knows probably. Gene knows it for sure. The other
2: case is Aztec, New Mexico, but I don't think the evidence is near as much as you have for Roswell. So we really don't take it seriously here.
6: Well, My point, point was is- anyway, just what what... If, say for instance, that it, it was a, a real case or something like that, then um, and Roswell isn't a real case, then I can imagine anyone who wanted to cover it up, they would just keep feeding Roswell-themed stories or bits and pieces out into the media uh, to keep to keep the public or the UFO public looking in that direction while maybe a real other event is going on kind of under our noses because suddenly we're looking over towards Roswell, metaphorically again.
1: I have to stir the pot again, gentlemen. Uh, you mentioned Nevada, and I, I'm just picking on Nevada because Nevada is known to be one of the most notorious testing grounds in the United States. Parts of it are highly secret, as we know. And all of these things seem to happen in, in New Mexico or Nevada, you know. These, these way out back places. I smell the military there somehow. I smell something terrestrial. And I am always, I, I'm living in Switzerland. Uh, Gogs, you're in Scotland. And, you know, we have a lot of wild country over here, mountains. Uh I, I walk the dog sometimes. It's scary. Uh I have never been assailed by uh, by an E.T. I've never been kidnapped. Never had any encounter with him. I've never seen anything. I have to ask Bob whether he lost some time sometime.
2: <laughs> Missing <laughs> well, time, we gotta do our break. Gogs Mackay, Bob Zanotti. You're in. The podcast.
1: Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com.
8: This is Dan Pillitt. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com.
4: We all have heard about the benefits of fish oils, but what about the presence of heavy metals, PCBs, dioxins, furans, and other contaminants found in fatty tissues of fish. GCNteam.com recognizes this risk and offers IFOS certified tested omega-3 fatty acids. EPA, DHA insist on IFOS omega-3 fatty acid certification. Get the best at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203.
1: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Jane Steinberg.
2: Okay, so you travel out there in the wilderness, and there's plenty of room for weird paranormal things to happen where you are, with Bob. Okay, so in that case, is it possible something did happen, but... It was a case of missing time that maybe you got home a half hour later than
1: you thought you would? Well, I'd love to say yes, but I have to be truthful and say no. <laughs> I'm, if it happened to me, I'm not aware of it. Um, my my question is, it's, a, it's an obvious rhetorical question that people living, people interested in this field, people interested in the paranormal, I think they, you know, here we are in Switzerland. Gogs is in Scotland, which is, you know, there's a lot of wild country in Scotland yet. Um, and, and yet all of this speculation, this phenomenon seems concentrated in the United States of America. I don't want to be offensive to Americans, but I just, it seems strange that all of this should be focused there. There are maybe rational explanations. I'm willing to accept that flying saucers are extraterrestrial beings. I'm willing to accept they come from another dimension. I'm willing to accept they come from the center of the earth. Whatever theory you want to present, I am completely open-minded. I don't want anyone to get me wrong. I am not a skeptic. I I renounce the term skeptic. I am not a skeptic. But I first look for a rational explanation. Gene, I have to uh, jog your memory for a moment. We had email correspondence uh, two or three years ago. I don't know if you sent it to me or I sent it to you. One of us on the internet found a triangular aircraft. It was a clipping. It was a newspaper clipping from Germany. It was in German. I could read it. And it presented this new style aircraft. It was from the 1940s. And it looks just like these triangular craft that are reported today.
2: Do you remember that, Gene? As you're talking, I'm searching my 200,000 email messages to see. Now, I'm told if it was 650,000, then I couldn't do it in 10 seconds. But since it's only 200,000, that's back to a political thing there. Now, you'll look at it right now, and I'll see. You say two or three years ago?
1: Yeah, about two or three years ago. Trust me, because I, I remember this very well. It was a newspaper article from a German newspaper. There were a couple of guys standing next to this aircraft. And if my memory serves me, uh, translating from the German headline, new uh, aircraft unveiled. And it was a triangular aircraft. And this is what we're hearing a lot about. And um, if the Germans had it in the 40s, maybe the Americans have got it uh in the 2000s i mean why not this is entirely possible and uh, gogs i think you you sort of uh, touched on this ten- tangentially tangentially <laughs> okay it's later there's over. always
2: a word by the way that people can't pronounce we all have that yeah, there's that, one word like traditional yeah or the tradition i have an awful time of with that
1: word or that that yeah, a professional announcer. I should know this tangentially. Okay, and uh, that is what I would. Uh, I made a note here. I would like to bring up a subject which Fundenikin has brought up. Other people have brought it. It's uh, brought it up. It's nothing new. But I don't hear a lot of discussion. This is not a criticism, uh, Gene, but I don't hear it on any of the mainstream uh, North American um, paranormal programs. And I don't listen to all of them. But the phrase I'd like to throw in here for discussion is the Vedic tradition of India. Now, we've all heard sort of mentioned that flying saucers were mentioned in, in ancient India. But I happen to, um, I'm interested in, in Vedic science, which is the old science of India. And I have some friends who are scholars at this. And when you talk flying saucers to them, they take it absolutely for granted. They even have different names for these things. For them, it's always existed, has always been there. And when von Deniken, uh, calls his book Chariots of the Gods, that was literally what it was. And I think here, to become somewhat risque, I can link this. I'm going to link this or just toss this out for, for discussion that we may be talking about the the origins of religious concepts and the God concepts. You know, chariots of the gods, a lot of people object to that. But a lot of people object to mainstream religion today because they visualize this uh, patriarchal figure, the old man sitting in a golden throne uh, and very, very powerful and and not quite so nice and uh, telling everybody what to do. But what if God, what a lot of people traditionally call God, was simply entities from another planet or from outside the universe who came to create us? When we talk about God, we're, we're, how about if we're talking about those creatures that created us? To me, it makes, it makes a lot of sense, and it, would, it could revolutionize the whole concept of religion. Do you remember, Bob, the movie Stargate? I'm not a great movie fan. I I, I must confess, I, 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 I heard of it, but I don't remember it.
2: In ancient times, ancient astronaut times, they came, these advanced beings, through a Stargate. That's kind of a device that allows you to travel through a wormhole to another part of the galaxy or a different galaxy, all right? But... The point being here is that it was really about ancient astronauts that came here and left this Stargate and exerted control over us and pretended to be gods. Whether they pretended to create us or not, I don't know. But they had their own complex and they wanted to control lesser races. So that was part of the original concept of Stargate. It's not unusual. And certainly we know about Eric Von Doniken. We mentioned less, I don't know if you've heard the episodes where I discussed it, we mentioned less our old friend Yona Fortner. Remember him? Oh, I had him
1: on my show.
2: Yes, you did. Did you know when he wrote his piece, a series on extraterrestrialism for Saucer News about ancient astronauts, evidently most of his sources were made up.
1: Well, you could do that in those days, Gene. (laughs) And this is where a lot of saucer stories come from.
2: Well, the thing is, too, that Yona would pretend to speak in another language, and I had no idea what he was saying because I didn't know the other language. Oh, this is Sanskrit. Okay, fine. You're now talking to me in Sanskrit. And this is something I think that Jim Mosley kind of knew but never really considered the possibility that Yona would put on people. And he was smart enough to simply fake it.
1: I think he was always faking it. I always had that impression. For those who don't understand what we're talking about, we're talking about my show back in New York in the 60s, Coffee Clutch. And you were a regular uh, guest on that show, and we had... I mean we had Jim Mosley on practically every show uh, all those so-called regulars you were a regular on there and Yona was on the show a couple of times and I always had the feeling that he was pulling our leg
2: Oh yes not that he wasn't smart he was very very smart
6: well, give us some more background, because I, I don't really know this guy. So, you know, where is he from? What, what, what did he do with himself in this, you know, in the field of paranormal or just radio? What, what, tell us a bit more about him.
2: Well, well before we do that, I have to do a break in a moment before we go into Yonah Fortner. Except briefly, he was a guy from New York, supposedly an ordained rabbi, so he said, who contracted polio when he was very young and therefore was wheelchair bound although he could get by as they said with crutches That's and he was long. very he was very very overweight also I and never that, did much of anything about that he was fun to talk to he was a cool guy he got involved in the ufo field he was a friend of mine jim mosley john j robinson he was a wacky character we'll talk more about yona fortna and more. With Gene Steinberg, Bob Zanotti, and Gogs Macailles, you're
6: in The podcast.
2: The award-winning Graphic Converter, the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app, it gives you all you expect from a top flight image editing app with tons of features, and most important, it's easy to use. Get 20% off from lemkesoft.de slash gene. That's L E M K E SOFT.de slash gene. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sights on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com host. Once again, that's technightowl.com
19: slash host. Winter has just begun, and are you already tired of being cold? How would you like to never be cold again? This is Dale with Fortress Clothing, and I'm here to tell you, you will never be cold again with Fortress. If you're tired of freezing your butt off, elk hunting, sitting in a tree stand, deer hunting, winter camping, fishing, ice fishing, no longer fear the cold. If you snowmobile, ski, snowboard, get Fortress. Sledding with the kids, shoveling the walks, shopping, or if you or your spouse get cold feet at home, get Fortress. If you're stuck outside working in the cold or find yourself in an emergency situation, Get our winter bug out bag, and you will never be cold again. Fortress is the answer, so quit complaining and go to FortressClothing.com. It's a mid-layer garment that goes with anything you want to wear. Enter coupon code RADIO and get 20% off any item. Go now while we still have inventory. FortressClothing.com.
11: From the pages of the Bible comes a terrifying account of an ancient beast that was half man, half demon. It is returned in a best-selling novel, Nephilim, by L.A. Marzulli. Indiegogo presents you with an opportunity to get involved in making this supernatural novel into a major motion picture. Join journalist Mac McKenzie as he travels halfway around the world to uncover the truth about aliens and demons. Join our Indiegogo campaign to get Nephilim made into a movie. Go to indiegogo.com, hashtag Nephilim.
1: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
2: We have Bob Zanotti, Gene Steinberg, Gogs Mackay, and we're talking about a little of everything We start with Debbie Harry, went to Disclosure. We were talking about ancient astronauts and about a very eccentric character from New York named Yona Fortner. Now, just to tell you this before we go on, Bob, and you can tell the rest, sometime before he died, a year or two before he died, I had a talk with him on the phone. He was living in L.A. then. How he got there, I have no idea. He claimed to be working with major motion picture companies to be a friend of George Lucas. And that the character of Yoda was based in part on Yona. But when you look at Yona, you'd think maybe Jabba the Hutt.
1: Well, I, I can't speak to that, Gene, because uh, my uh, knowledge and memory of Yona goes back to the 60s. So what his, uh, w- where his path took him after that, I don't know. But, you know, uh, something did um, come to mind when you were talking about uh, motion pictures and flying saucers and everything else i mean it's possible you know maybe they met up at a cocktail party uh that's the way the business works you know that you know the business you pick up ideas from all kinds of likely and unlikely places but um do you remember the reverend frank e Strange's? he left this life uh some years ago but uh I featured him on my show on The Coffee Clotch, and he was friends with another uh, mutual friend of ours, uh, Gene, Augie Roberts, August C. Roberts, the famous uh, UFO photographer. And uh, he was a regular on The Coffee Clotch show. In fact, he was my production coordinator. And we had uh, regular correspondence with uh, Dr. Frankie Stranges. And do you remember uh, back in the 60s now uh, that Stranges – was apparently uh, engaged by a film company in in Hollywood to produce a a film called and I remember the name of it the the earth could die tomorrow or the earth will die tomorrow do you remember that story I do not no apparently something came out of it and I'm, I, I wish I could tell you what, what materialized from it. There was some kind of a, a series that came out. Um, but, I, in fact, I think I saw one episode. I'm going back, you know, like 50 years. So I can't really say anymore. But... Um, I mean, obviously, Hollywood has always been very big on picking up on flying saucers. There's no question about it. Uh, but as far as Yonah uh, is concerned, you know, it's funny. Uh, we, we've had this discussion before. You call him Yonah Faulkner. Um, but I remember him as Yonah Ibn Aharon. Yes. Yes. Uh, that was his Hebrew name, apparently. And, and as far as him being a, an ordained rabbi is concerned... I never could prove it. I mean, um, I knew he was a, a Hebrew scholar, and he, he was a linguist. He he spoke Hebrew. He spoke various languages. Um, and But it was Jack Robinson, John J. Robinson, who once in one of my shows described him as Rabbi Yonah Ibn Abaran, and uh, so did Long John Nebel. In fact, Yonah used to be on the old Long John show. He, I think he was a regular there for a long time. And he was very frustrating for an interviewer because he spoke very slowly. And it was almost as though he was having fun with the host of the program. There's nothing worse for a host of a talk show than a slow talker.
2: Yes, very slow. But if you listen to Long John Nebel, he was slow talker, too. He'd have very long pauses between every sentence. We had an excerpt of Long John's, and I listened to it. And I didn't even notice that at the time. Now, of course, I notice technique. And he would say something, and he would tell you a story that I could tell you in about two minutes, but he'd take 20 minutes to tell you that story.
1: Well, that's the Midwestern storyteller, uh, Gene. That's a lost art. The other one who used to be uh, speaking of Gene, but he spelled his name differently the French way, Gene Shepard, uh, the rencontreur and uh, rapporteur. And he he would—he uh, used to be on WOR, the big talk station, yes. just before Long, Don, Long John. And uh, I learned a lot from Gene. I, I met Gene. I, I met Long John. And uh I used to spend some time at WOR on 1440 Broadway. they moved downtown now uh, several years ago. But um, um, that was was the art. And, uh, you know, it's funny you bring this up about speaking slowly. Um, That used to be the classic art of announcing. Uh, Very, very apropos watching the presidential election returns on CNN They exhaust me listening. These people must be on pep pills, on caffeine, and they're absolutely, they're machine gun delivery. I'm a native speaker of English, but I had difficulty following them sometimes. They're so hyped up. And when you listen to uh, recordings of Long John or Gene Shepard telling a story— that was the art to, to, to stretch it out because people didn't have all the, the entertainment that we had. That was, that was early entertainment. That was pre-TV and radio entertainment to tell a story. And um, that, that's the tradition of radio that I grew up in and, and, and developed. Uh, these people today in modern broadcasting make me nervous. Well, you and, know what? They're taking the
2: disc jockey technique. You know, the radio disc jockeys would be very fast. They would be motor mouths. They know that the bridge to the song they're playing has 22 seconds. And they try to get as much as they can in that 22 seconds. They don't know about just taking a pause, relaxing, slowing down, and just telling a story. I kind of work in the middle now. I pause, but I end up, if I have to cut a few seconds out of the episode when I'm editing it, I get rid of some of the pauses. So two seconds becomes one second. Most people don't notice. That's well, a, there's, uh, there's a technique there. That's a trick of the
1: trade. There's a French expression, the music is in the silence. Very profound, actually. It's quite true. Um we're 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 so hyped up today in today's world that we we've got to have the vu meter constantly at a hundred percent at zero vu, and anybody uh, you know, do, do you know? I, I guess you do because you you work with network uh, radio, uh, Gene. You have to be aware of this. That most radio stations today and networks have an alarm if there is uh, they can adjust it if there's more than five seconds or ten seconds of silence. An alarm goes off. <laughs> it's 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 part of the insane world we're in today. Everything has got to be modulation and noise, and people's heads are full of noise. But all great creativity, all great pr- things that happen in this world is when... We give people silence, as the French say. The music is in the silence. Uh, we once at Swiss Radio International, where I worked for 32 years, that was, you know, that paid, paid the bills here. I was an international broadcaster on shortwave. And we interviewed a guy once, and um, he, w- he was a, uh, a cyber, cyber um, technician or, or researcher or something, cybernetics. And he said, you know, the human brain... Is the greatest computer that has ever been developed.
2: It's another but, computer it's taking but, over but, right now. But and it's right. gonna develop commercials for us. Yeah, Bob Zanati, Gene Steinberg, Oggs Mackay. This is the Paracast.
7: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNLive.com today.
13: Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Get a ProPure with the Pro1G 2.0 Cleanable Reusable Filter and remove up to 200 contaminants. Drink water the way nature meant it to be. Clean, crisp, and refreshing. See the complete line of ProPure products, including the new ProMax Shower Filter. There's a ProPure for you. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A dot If you or someone you care about loves outdoor adventure, then check out Slingbow.com for some unique holiday gift ideas. That's Slingbow.com, where we have some innovative new products for the archer, hunter, or bow fishing enthusiast in your family. Now through January, use the promo code HOLIDAY to get free shipping in the U.S. or Canada. And from all of us at Slingbow Industries, have a safe, joyous, and peaceful holiday season.
12: Will the government protect your family from Iran and North Korea's newest weapon, EMP? We buy guns to protect ourselves, home, health, and car insurance for accidents. Maybe you also have food storage, but how would you keep your refrigerator running in a long-term EMP blackout? Using tested military designs, the Solark EMP-hardened solar generator protects and powers your critical appliances for years without burying items underground or wrapping them in aluminum foil. Unlike other preps, Solark is used every day to help offset your electric bill automatically. Visit PortableSolarLLC.com to
17: my name is Lee and I'm 41. I've been using One World Wave for two and a half years now. I suffered a bulged L4 and L5 disc from a car accident three years ago. And since that time, I've been unable to walk long distances, do any minor lifting or just normal activities with my children without having severe back pain. Since I've started using One World Way, I've been able to walk more, engage in activities with my children and have less lower back pain. One World Way has helped me regain back my strength, confidence, and have a healthier life. I've noticed a weight loss of about 20 pounds, my A1C dropped two points, and I have more energy now. One World Way has helped me regain back my life.
12: The results for clients on One World Way have surpassed the results for most any other supplements as well as all other whey protein powders. One World Way is non denatured and frequency encoded. We believe the frequency encoding increases your body's production of glutathione and energy production. Call 888 988 3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWHEY.com. Hi, this is Nick Pope.
2: You're listening to the PowerCast. So, people want to know why sometimes we have to cut a conversation. The way the GCN network system works is everything is computerized. You're given a, a little bit of a, as they call it, a clock or a schedule. And the clock says, for example, that you have a tenth of a second margin for every segment of the show. So, we're recording this. When I send the show to the network, I have to clean it up. I take out a few seconds. I... I'm happy to have like five, 10 seconds more because that gives me a little more elbow room. So I may eliminate a stumble or somebody's cough or something like that. And I kind of cut Bob short on a story just before he hit the punchline. And I think you should just finish it up before we move on.
1: Okay, the punchline is very simple and it's just a very, it's one sentence. The human brain is the greatest computer that was ever designed. The only trouble with it is, It runs on slow software. (laughs) In other words, this is part of communication uh, dynamics. I mean, uh, you know this. You're an old pro, uh, uh, Gene, and so am I. We're a couple of old pros from the old school. And um, (laughs) when you're trying to tell a story, especially, for example, in another language or under difficult conditions, those long Pregnant pauses, as Gene Shepherd used to say, are very significant. And you talked about Long John Nebel with his long pauses. He was very glib, actually. But his timing was perfect. Gene Shepherd was exactly the same. When you have silence, people's hearing is enhanced, and they're waiting with baited not breath, but bated ears, waiting for the next thing, and they're more receptive to the message. And this is where everything has gone completely off the rails today, in my opinion, in, in mass communication. It's all too fast. People are not really communicators anymore. They're nothing but, as you say, disc jockeys. Uh, there, there is a commercial on the network that carries you. And I don't know how it's even allowed it is so hacked it's it's time it's time chopped it's shortened by electronically i am a native speaker a professional user of the english language i cannot under it's a caveat for a legal company i cannot understand a word that the guy is talking about and yet <laughs> i presume there are people who can but i i give up i i just i shake my head every time i hear it
2: well here's part of the problem legally they have to include those disclaimers. And the only way to get all those disclaimers in is to speak very fast. Now, it's true also when you hear these offers in the U.S. for a car dealer. You know, get a brand new Honda or a Volkswagen for $199 a month. And in the fine print, well, $4,230 down, and you're limited to 10,000 miles a year because it's a lease. Otherwise, you have to pay a over mileage fee or something like that. And they've got somebody there, who's a real motor mouth, and he repeats something that would take you and I 30 seconds to say in about 10 seconds. But they have to do that because technically they have to explain the conditions of an offer.
1: What, what is the point, Gene, if nobody can understand what they're saying?
2: Well, that's not the point. They want to get the message in and it's irrelevant because that's the way you kind of skirt the system. So, for example, they have advertising for medications in the U.S., And you hear about all these wonderful things, and you see somebody happy, go lucky, because the problem they were suffering from has been controlled. And then you hear the contraindications, as they say, in the medical field. And those contraindications say, may cause death, may cause tumors, may cause you to... I don't even want to say. (laughs) There you go. Let's just talk about our little corner of the world here and the weird... Wild people. So Yona Fortner was a genuine character. And we all liked him, but of course you couldn't believe what he said. Another interesting character was John J. Robinson. And I know our listeners heard the playback of him, a discussion from the 60s on Bob Zanotti's Coffee Clot Show, where he talked about the Steve Brody story. This artist he knew back in the 1940s who may have been kidnapped by Richard Shaver's Dero. What was your take on John Robertson?
1: You talking to me, Gene? You
2: talking to me?
1: <laughs> okay, I guess you're asking me. I like John or Jack. Uh, he was always Jack uh, for, for us who knew him. He was a very sincere man. He uh, was very humble. He lived in a, a very modest apartment with his wife, uh, Mary, whom we uh, mentioned. Uh, we mentioned both of them at the beginning of the show about the Ouija board. He was devoted. I, he was a classic, I can imagine this is my take on him. He was a classic 1930s, 1940s devotee of the occult and offbeat when it was really fashionable. you know, today everything is so scientized, that's the word I use, that it's no fun anymore, you know there's no imagination. Uh, when we were when I go back to the old coffee clot shows, back in the 60s, and you remember those days, you know, you didn't have people being challenged the way they are today. There's so much aggression today. In those days, people could speak their mind. They could come up with any kind of crazy idea. Uh, and That's not my personal value judgment, but... um, Any kind of way out theory, any kind of wacko idea. And the people around the table, there were were circles who met. And you know you were part of it, Gene. I don't need to tell you, but we're talking to an audience which uh, doesn't remember those days or how it was. And people, they would sit, you'd have a scotch, you'd have a glass of wine, you'd have have a drink. And uh, you would just sit around... In a, in a circle and talk about all of these things that everybody spoke and everybody had a different idea, just what we're doing right now. Um, the flavor you've preserved, and that's, you know, I, I go back to the 60s, but you've been able to preserve the flavor of those days. Open discussion where people are not ridiculed, where people are not attacked and criticized, where people are allowed to have a point of view. I know you challenge people, which I think is a great idea. It's not a good idea to just hold a microphone in front of somebody's face and let them spout out anything without being challenged, or as we used to say in broadcast journalism, without uh, earning their point of view. But those days, and you know exactly what I mean, people were more gentlemanly and ladylike, and uh, uh, people were not ridiculed for having way-out ideas. Today, I think um, and I use the term pejoratively and deliberately and advisedly pseudoscience, all the people running around in white coats, has given everybody an impression that um, science is the new religion, you know I mean they've, they've killed all you know, God has been killed off now. I mean it's, uh, it's, it's the guys in the white coats who are the true religion. And um, it's just another form of belief. And uh, if, if you can't convince them, if they can't smell it or touch it or feel it or see it, it doesn't exist and they throw it out and say it's all rubbish. But I remember those days in the 60s, the 30s, or the, the 40s, and I wasn't there, but I, that era when all of this was, this was a high time, the golden age of the paranormal. And Jack ep- epitomized that. He was the, the poster boy for that era. And he could talk about anything. He could talk about flying saucers. He would talk about the deros. He was, he was a yogi. He pract- was a practitioner of yoga. He was a hypnotist. He devoted himself to all kinds of the offbeat. And he was one of these guys, and we had a few of them around. Uh, Yona, we always had the impression he was one. Whether he was putting us on or not with his offer or with his, with his answers, I don't know. But Jack was one of these guys— who you could ask a question, and he could answer almost anything in the occult or paranormal field, and he had high credibility. I had great respect for John Jack Robinson, and it was a terrible loss. Unfortunately, uh, he died too early. He was a heavy smoker and died of lung cancer. But I remember some of the shows, uh, I sent you all the old Coffee Clot shows that I still have, and he features prominently on there. You know what we'll have to do here?
2: We should bring out some more of John J. Robinson so you could hear this person. He was just a fascinating, fascinating character, and he was a great loss. Of course, he would have been 200 years old now, but, you know, it would have been nice to have him around. We're talking with Bob Zanati and Gogs Mackay. I'm Gene Steinberg. Chris O'Brien's in Thailand. You're in the podcast.
7: Thank you for listening to GCN.
2: That's the swag from the PowerCast. You go to store.thepowercast.com, stop by,
11: and take a shopping tour. From the pages of the Bible comes a terrifying account of an ancient beast that was half man, half demon. It is returned in a best-selling novel, Nephilim, by L.A. Marzulli. Indiegogo presents you with an opportunity to get involved in making this supernatural novel into a major motion picture. Join journalist Mac McKenzie as he travels halfway around the world to uncover the truth about aliens and demons. Join our Indiegogo campaign to get Nephilim made into a movie. Go to Indiegogo.com, hashtag Nephilim.
17: How confident are you in your food storage? If it was all you had to rely on, would it sustain your family? Hard times, good times, or any time? New Mana Storable Food is the proven superior choice. Learn for yourself what happened when one man ate only New Mana Storable Food for an entire month. Online at PowerPrepper.com. That's PowerPrepper.com. Experience the New Mana Difference.
4: America made food stores I love to eat. Yum.
10: You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code George for a substantial discount. Today, living in the United States
18: means that your online privacy is at risk. Regaining that privacy means going abroad. Privacy Abroad offers secure online privacy because our servers are located in Switzerland, a safe haven for digital communications. As a law-abiding citizen, you have nothing to hide, but you certainly have something to lose. Regain your Fourth Amendment rights and your peace of mind. Go to patriot.privacyabroad.com now. That's patriot.privacyabroad.com.
13: Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? We
2: continue with Bob Sinatti, who years and years ago, before most of you were born, was host of a radio show called Coffee Clutch, on which I was uh, one of the regular guests. We have Gogs McKay, and when we talk about John J. Robinson, in the real world, he was a banker, you know, not a high muckety-muck at a bank, just like a normal, a normal kind of guy who worked at a bank in New York City. But when he got home, he became a totally different person. I spent a lot of time at his home, stayed the night a couple of times when it got real late, and he was just a joy to deal with, a lot of fun. Sometimes I ticked him off a little bit. I had kind of a crazy, wacky sense of humor in those days, and he didn't appreciate it. But it was fun to talk to. And he was hey, typical I- of a lot of people, though, at that time, who just smoked and smoked multiple packs a day.
6: I just want to quickly say something that I know many other Paracast listeners are probably just thinking now, like I was. I'd love to hear some of those shows with the young Bob, Jean, and all these other characters. Is there any way to make that happen, Bob?
2: Well, we've already done it, right,
6: Bob? Well, we did uh, several
1: years ago, just a matter of months uh, before the unfortunate demise of our old and dear friend and regular coffee clutch um, participant, uh, Jim Mosley, the legendary Jim Mosley. I spent literally days going through hour after hour after hour of tapes just to uh, pull out some excerpts of this. It was done. I mean, Gene, we kicked around, or I I sent you an email uh, a while back saying, you know, we should bring out that program as a memorial on maybe as an anniversary memorial on the the death of uh, Jim Mosley. I think uh, there's, you know, the audience uh, rotates and maybe there are new people who'd like to hear it for the first time or maybe hear it again. As far as the rest of it is concerned, all uh, all of the surviving, at least offbeat, coffee-clot shows have been digitized. I did that um, from, from open reel tape. I uh, processed them. I, I did audio processing on them to improve the quality as best as possible because we were working under very difficult conditions sometimes. And uh, I sent you a whole collection of that, Gene. So (laughs) the ball is in Gene's court. Uh, Maybe we could open a website uh, to make uh, those programs available. But we have a place
2: right now. It's called the PowerCast Plus. And what we'll do is we'll set up a special section for Coffee Clot Shows. And I'll go through the recordings you sent me. I know you sent me a CD one time with a lot of stuff on it. And I have to dig it out. I just noticed it the other day. And there are things that you emailed to me, a whole bunch of files. And we'll look at them and put
1: a few together. I would like to see it saved because, uh, Gene, you were there. You were part of it. And I hate to see myself. Uh, It almost sounds like self-glorification. But I I thank you for the point, Gogs. Uh, We had a wonderful time in those days. Just, you know, this uh, description I gave a few moments ago, the excitement of the time. When people were ladies and gentlemen, we listened to each other, we speculated, we talked without ridiculing people. There's so much anger today. And in those days when I was doing the Coffee clot shows and Jean was there with me at the table many, many times, we really got into this stuff and speculated and no one considered anyone foolish No one ridiculed the other, and we got into some wild stuff. I mean, we heard stories about Jim Mosley's treasure hunting in Peru. We heard the the Ouija board program I described at the beginning of the show. Uh, It's all there. It's all live. We talked with the Reverend Bill Dot, the spiritualist minister about spiritualism. I mean, and on and on. We have so much saucer stuff there. We have so much occult stuff. We have so much paranormal stuff just hit me recently that we're talking about a sound document that really should be preserved and made available to people today to hear how it was in the heyday and thank you uh, uh, gene for the idea as i said i'll start
2: looking at it the next couple of weeks right now i have a bunch of files i have to put up in the powercast plus but we don't want to just put out everything at once we're going to spread them out over time and once they're out there Predictably, the files from Paul Kimball, his videos and other episodes of The Other Side of Truth. Once that's done, I will start to look at some of these Coffee clutch files, and let's see what we come up with. Let's see well, what episodes we can present.
1: The one thing that uh, you and I, Gene, have to uh, uh, we have to bite the bullet here because we have to recall, this is the caveat. <laughs> we have to remember that you and I were in our teens and 20s at the time. When I started Coffee Clutch, I think I was 17 or 18 years old when I landed that uh, that show. I was barely 20, and I think you were uh, about the same age. You have to be gentle with us when you listen to it. A very young Gene Steinberg and Bob Zanotti in the early days of their radio careers. So be be gentle and be kind when you listen. This is before I went to radio school.
6: <laughs> it, it's It's all going to be love for me, that's for sure.
1: Well, you're very kind, Gogs, and you know I'm glad we could we could talk about this here. We're we're hatching
6: a scheme right here on the
1: Paracast.
6: Well, talking as a listener, you know that just you know my ears have pricked up, and all these characters interest me. And you know I already was quite a fan of Jim Mosley, and I used to love his appearances on the Paracast. And just to me, that that just sounds like an ideal circumstance. And back in a simpler day in radio sitting around uh, talking about all these things without the the internet trolls to jump down your throat and stuff, even if it is a bit sketchy or unpolished compared to what you guys would maybe do as professional radio people these days. I know for a fact, loads of Paracast listeners would love to hear all this stuff. I guarantee it.
2: Well, that's going to be what's happening. And it might sound like we're being crass and commercial, but you know, that's how it
1: works. You know who else is on those uh, one of those shows, uh, Gene? Our good friend um, Tim, Tim Beckley. Oh well, Tim, Tim Beckley Beck, always yeah. sounds the same. Oh yeah, I remember he was on one of the uh, the marathon shows we did. I think it was the last show we actually did. We I think we recorded that over at Jack's house, and Tim Beckley turned up. The guy who was doing uh, who wanted to propose that the UN investigate UFOs, von Kowitsky. Coleman Von von Kavisky, remember him? Indeed. And then, uh, yeah, he, he appeared once. But mainly it was uh, Gene Steinberg and uh, Augie Roberts, and we had Dom Lucchesi on there, who was another character. He was in sort of the same league as Yona. They were related <laughs> in terms of their ability to tell uh, spin yarns and so on. Uh, in fact, Jim Mosley in that uh, in that show we did several years ago, just before Jim died, which he appreciated very much. He, he told me afterwards how happy he was with that show. It was very very good timing. It took a lot of work to put that together. There's so much there, and Goggs uh, uh, frames it very very eloquently. It's an opportunity for people to uh, go into a time machine in this whole field and find out what life was like back in the 60s when we were talking about this stuff before it became fashionable.
2: The show we're talking about is called Voices of the Past with Jim Mosley and Bob Zanotti from May 13th, 2012. It's in the PowerCast archives. And we feature August C. Roberts, Dominic Lucchesi, John J. Robinson, Yona Fortner, and Alexander McNeil, and Andy Sinatra, the Mystic Barber. A couple of really wacky
1: (laughs) characters we had them all on the show uh, Gene. i look back to those days very favorably and uh, with great longing those were tremendous days not only for me in my early uh, you know beginnings as a broadcaster but also the people the the excitement the fun we just don't have the excitement today we had back then
2: if you want to find us on twitter look for the paracast look for the paracast on twitter We also invite you to check out the PowerCast Plus, where we're going to get some of those Coffee clat shows put up in the very near future. We also have the After the PowerCast podcast, the commercial-free version of this show. We also have a lot of other really good things, such as episodes of The Other Side of Truth, all for a low subscription rate, starting at a mere $4.99 per month. The PowerCast Plus. Learn more how to sign up at plus.thepowercast.com plus.theparacast.com. Bob Zanotti, Gogs Mackay, thank you both for joining us this week on The Paracast.
1: Thank you very much, Gene. Uh, I I really enjoyed this session and uh, look forward to uh, coming on again, if you permit me.
6: Yeah, thanks, Gene, and uh, nice to have uh, met you finally, Bob.